Your financial mission, should you choose to accept it, is to achieve financial clarity. New Intel suggests that bad financial actors are constantly filling the landscape with misinformation and other barriers and obstacles, leaving you with limited time to make the right choices for a successful financial future. To make things easier, we've chosen your team for you. Financial Commander Janine Theus will help lead you to success. As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Welcome to another edition of Your Financial Mission. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus, the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors, your financial commander in Columbia, serving you throughout Howard County. You can find us online by going to theuswealthadvisors.com. Hey, Janine, what's going on with you this week? Hey, Walter, it is fantastic weather, finally. We've got some spring happening over here, so... um, I'm done with winter. <laughs> I'm <laughs> we've, totally done. We've left it in the dust. <laughs> yes, we have. <laughs> oh, very good. Very so. good. Well, we've got a great show on the way for uh, today's program. We're going to dive in a little bit later into a great question from Michelle. And Michelle is in love, Janine. How's that for a start <laughs> of a question, huh? There you go, yes. <laughs> what is that going to have to do in finances? Well, we'll tell you coming up on today's show. Michelle's in love, and she's got a question. Uh, we're going to throw that at Janine a little bit later on, and we're also going to find out from Janine a little bit more about her. We're going to talk about the day of her wedding and uh, the groomsmen and uh, bridesmaids that were involved in her wedding and uh, whether or not they're still involved in her life. So we'll get to know you a little bit better, Janine, later on in today's show. But first, our main topic of the day is to take a look at the headlines. It's time to see what's happening in the news. Extra, extra, read all about it. Got a couple of headlines that are all kind of linked here, Janine, and want to get your thoughts and opinions on these couple of things. First one that caught my eye a couple of weeks ago, Kohl's is the latest retail business that's making changes to their business model. They'll be shrinking the size of their stores and leasing some of the space that they have to Planet Fitness, big uh, workout chain all across the country. Is it wise, given news like that, to invest in any brick-and-mortar companies at this point with all the changes they're undergoing? Well, that's a pretty interesting combination of clothes versus Planet Fitness. Are they going to put all their clothes as fitness clothes? I mean, they have Mm -hmm. some at Kohl's, but they have a pretty wide range of types of clothing at Kohl's. So it's very odd, unless they're jettisoning their household items, that they're going to have room for Planet Fitness. But, you know, to invest in any brick and mortar companies, well, if you're in a diversified plan, you've got some of that in there anyway, but to specifically go and invest in a, in a company like that, unless you're sitting in the boardroom, and I know I refer back to that all the time, but unless you know the moves of the actual company going forward, it's not a good idea to just go and buy individual stocks. This is an experiment. I mean, they're, they're trying to draw a crowd because there's so much competition out there. And Penny's has changed. Sears is, you know, completely changed. So, I, you know, whether you should buy an individual stock, probably not. Yeah. But uh, because and this is a very experimental marketing tactic, I think. Yeah, it's really a definitely a marketing ploy. Although I do like the idea. I can see this working in many different crossover businesses, right? I mean, this is kind of a neat concept. If two businesses can maybe share on some expenses, 
and you know lease spaces where you can get that physical presence still, but maybe not have quite as much the burden on having separate spaces, you know, being able to combine with another business, maybe make even, you know, rental income off of another business that you're renting out space to or some sort of combined effort. I mean, there's seems to be some benefits to that in terms of viability and maybe some cross promotion. And I kind of like the idea. I'd be interested to see what other combos, what other other mashups like music, right? What other mashups can we make between two businesses joining forces like that? Well, actually, there's a commercial and I think it's Capital One who has a commercial out that they're now they've it's like a barista they've created this coffee shop so you can do your banking in the coffee shop right it's very modern yeah and okay so i'm confused Uh, who are you Uh, obviously they're trying to attract millennials because that's who expects to be in coffee shops it seems so you know is that going to work i don't know I mean, I love the idea of a fitness center, but there are a lot of them. So you have to look at what that competition in the area means for you doing this. Yeah. And then what promotional programs are you going to have or are they going to have that are going to get people to cross over into your space, you know, as Kohl's, as a clothing store? Well, I, I know, know that, you know, you and I both go to uh, Orange Theory and do, <laughs> do workouts. And it's kind of interesting. They sell a lot. I don't know if the one that you go to does the same thing as the one that I do, but they sell, you know, it's their own branded clothing. But there's a clothes rack in our store and in our workout facility, in our gym. There's a couple of clothes racks and they're constantly putting new merchandise out there and they're selling it right there from the store. So it's kind of this concept just on a very, you know, small scale with only you know, a couple of options to choose from, but kind of neat to uh, to kind of say, hey, this is actually being done, a way of cross-promoting, you know, different items within the same company. Well, is it, has Orange Theory basically white-labeled Nike or Under Armour? I mean, Under Armour, I can't imagine anybody else, they wouldn't let anyone else put their name on the clothing because Under Armour is the brand. But, and I have seen that done in yeah. various areas. So it's, you know, there's, there is so much available it's hard to say. And it's what it is, it's convenience. If I'm working out and I, you know, there's a couple racks there, then I can go check it out. So yeah, having um, sport um, clothing in a fitness area is very convenient for people who, because they're already in the mood. So they're looking for some, sometimes the latest clothing. I mean, I, I don't do that. Tights and t-shirts or whatever, you know, (laughs) just so I'm presentable and I go work out. But some people have to be fashionable while they're working out. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, The prices of fashion clothes these days in some of these high-end places are off the charts. It's crazy. Oh, it's crazy. I mean, you know, I look back and laugh. I mean, I have to laugh sometimes because I was in the gym long before it was popular back in the 70s. So it was t-shirts and shorts. You know, and just get your get go, go hard. And gray, and go home. right? Gray t-shirt, gray shorts. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> no, no, this fancy stuff. So it's rather amusing to watch how everyone color coordinates. Yeah, I kind of miss my old high school gym wear. Just a simple gray sh- pair of shorts and a gray shirt that says "Property of Croatan High School." That's it. <laughs> <laughs> There's something kind of cool but, about know, the simplicity of that, right? Oh, yeah, but then I'm amazed. Athleta, there are all these companies, especially that are catering to women being in fitness. There must be half a dozen or a dozen companies that are, you know, have specific brand names. And, you know, Kohl's carries them. Kohl's carries some of them. So, you know, depending on what Planet Fitness wants to carry, it's very convenient. It, it could be a good merge, but, yeah, you know, it's, it's a, 
it's a gamble to buy the actual stock of the company. Yeah. Just based on that. Yep. That's good. So. Uh, a good extra thought there, but an interesting experiment to see how it works out. Will those two things get along and benefit one another? A Coles being in the same space as a Planet Fitness, does that help those two brands? Something interesting to keep an eye on. We mentioned all of these headlines are linked a little bit, so onto another kind of business model, but another kind of thought-provoking question. Later this year, this was all the rage when some of these uh, videos were coming out of the previews. Later this year, Disney is going to be releasing live action versions of Aladdin and Dumbo and a CGI version of The Lion King, as well as you've got on the docket Frozen 2 and Toy Story 4. So my question is, with a lineup like that, is now the time to go out and buy some Disney stock? I would be very, I guess, cautious about that because it's always, again, it's a gamble. You know, are all of those things popular? Absolutely. And maybe that announcement is going to boost the stock price. But by the time you hear it, the price is already up. Just to give you an example, if you go back to July of 2016, the price was down below $100 a share on Disney. And just recently, and it might have been part of this announcement, the stock price is up to $140 a share. So in three years, it's spiked. So by the time you probably buy, it'll fade back down. I yeah. mean, you know, when you look at long-term prices, yeah, since January 2010, the price of Disney has gone, it used to be below, it was probably like $40 a share. So it's gone up over $100 a share, up, down, up, down, up, down. Now it's at 140 Does that mean it's going to stay up there? I don't know. With all these different permutations of these different popular movies, it might hang up there for a while. But should you buy the individual stock? Mm, it's going to be included in a broadly diversified portfolio to begin with. So I don't know that I would go out and buy, you know, a whole lot of shares of Disney because again, you've got to buy right and then s have a plan to sell it. Yeah. Got to be and right twice, don't. right? <laughs> yeah. Also a good reminder that some companies are about a lot more than just one element. And Disney's a great example of that. Okay, great. You're focusing on one part of the business, which is, you know, a big one, movie making, but Disney's involved in a lot of other facets, has a lot of other assets, has a lot of other acquisitions and moving parts and other things that might affect that stock price more than just the, how the movies are doing. Um, exactly. So that's uh, just mm -hmm. that's not to say that that won't make things go up or be successful. It's just a, a good lesson to learn for when you're looking at any investment to remember that just looking at one variable may not tell you the whole story. Um, right. One other headline to throw into this mix, since we're talking about basically different companies here on today's show and, and investing in companies like that, um, although this one takes us in a slightly different direction, McDonald's has said that they are discontinuing all of their lobbying efforts that fight against minimum wage increases. So do you think this is a sign that higher wages for workers across the board and across the country are probably an inevitability at this point? Well, the, this is an interesting question because just recently I saw an article on the fact that you don't have to have the government mandate minimum wage. The market will always do that. And when you have a plethora of jobs, like we have right now, this is a, the greatest economy in 60 years, in fact, ever in terms of unemployment rate. It's the lowest it's ever been. And so you've got more jobs than there are people willing to work. So what happens is you want to attract good people. So you raise the wages 
And that's already happened on a market-based economy. And part of the reason they're discontinuing that is because they're going to uh, touch screens. So they need people who can teach people how to do the touch screens, because I've seen a lot of seniors, including my parents in there, where I gotta go, okay, touch that, touch that, touch that, <laughs> if that's what you want to do. But you know, the operation is now being done mechanically, if you will. So they don't need as many people. Another area where so, those uh, the kind of the robotics question enters into this too, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, what's happening in manufacturing is you do need skilled manufacturing because of computers and robotics. And here, here's the thing that just gets me is $15 an hour was never meant, they call it the living wage, the media does. It was never meant to be a living wage. It was meant to be a starting wage. I mean, places like McDonald's, working at McDonald's was really meant as a step up for kids coming out of, you know, in high school, coming out of high school and college to step into the workforce and get that experience. It was never meant for people to raise their families on, you know, 10 yeah. bucks an hour. Yeah. So, you know, driving that is driving companies to be more innovative with all this technology and that ends up costing people jobs. So it's a double-edged sword, you know, when the government gets involved. So, you know, McDonald's is saying, okay, fine. We're just gonna go to kiosks, cut our labor costs. Yeah. So, <laughs> Pretty it's uh, not ever it's it's you, you really have people really need to be careful what they read because the media in general is often not reporting the actual situation or facts of the case. Yeah. So that's a really good point. Well, lots of different headlines, things to be thinking about there. If you're thinking about investing in individual companies, a couple of good lessons to be thinking about and to learn some guidance for you. And yeah, looking at the future of workers in this country, always going to be an interesting debate and interesting questions to ask. If anybody's got questions about something that maybe you've seen in the news, you want to get some guidance or advice from Janine Theus and talk a little bit about how it might impact your portfolio, your plans, you can always get in touch easily. 443-718-6311 is the number to call. That's 443-718-6311 and always online as well. TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. It's getting to know you time. Well, it's time to get to know Janine Theus a little bit better on today's program. So, Janine, fun question for you this week. I'd be interested to hear your answer to this one. Of the uh, bridesmaids who were in your wedding, and if you want to include your husband's groomsmen in this question as well, that would be fine. How many of them are still significantly involved in your life today? Well, significant is um, relative. Yeah, a bit of a relative uh, we're, term. Yeah, we're still friends, but my bridesmaid lives in Ohio, and she's an anchor <laughs> for a local news. Oh, that's station. cool. Yeah, so we, we chat um, via Facebook chat occasionally. And then my husband's best man, he's also in Ohio because Gene was from Ohio, but you know, so they communicate here and there. But what was interesting about when you set up your, your wedding plans, we were in Maine at the time in the Navy and, you know, we picked our date. It's the end of May and two weeks before our wedding, Mount St. Helens blew. Oh, so interesting. we're in Maine, the weddings in Portland, Oregon. So we were going to be taking our uh, wedding party was basically comprised of all our compatriots in the Navy. We were going to take a P3 across the country and park it up in Whidbey Island and then drive down. 
well, the Navy wouldn't let us take the P3 because of the silicate that, you know, spewed forth from Mount St. Helens. So we lost most our wedding party. <laughs> and oh, we had man. to uh, put together things at the last minute. So, um, you know, pulling friends of the family and things. It was a very interesting, we had a great time, but it was an interesting wedding. It was wow. not at all. Yeah, most that people is would plan. <laughs> so, so, yeah, they're still in our lives as, you know, occasional acquaintances almost. But the whole thing was with the wedding plans, a lot of people would have had major breakdowns over this, I think, in today's world. Oh, sure. Yeah, uh, definitely. You know, for us, it was just like, okay. That would have made a great episode with. of Bridezilla, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was kind of like, a, who are you? Because we had, we knew very few people at our wedding. It was, you know. That's kind of like, funny. Okay, we're. Yeah, we're doing this for family. <laughs> well, there's so. there's definitely a there's got to be a movie idea in there somewhere. Some there's a comedy movie just living in that scenario oh, yeah. of a volcano, you know, exploding, disrupting the air travel to pull the wedding party together and all the hijinks that, you know, ensue afterward. <laughs> yeah, because it was it was not the best situation, for sure. The crazy you know, cousin becomes was, the best man that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, our, our wedding day is May 31st, but that day it must, it, so here it is summer, basically. It was 55 degrees. Wow. Overcast. That's and amazing. And there was still ash everywhere in Portland. Wow. Still. Yeah. Pretty wild to hear that. That's for sure. It was, it was crazy. <laughs> yeah. No doubt about it. Well, thanks for sharing that story with us. That is uh, certainly very entertaining and uh, pretty interesting to hear about as well. It's time for the mailbag. We want to hear from you. Well, that sound means it's time for the mailbag. And we've got a great question this week that comes to us from Michelle. Speaking of weddings and love, Michelle's got a question that I think will pique your interest here, Janine. Michelle says, I'm in love. And I've been proposed to, but I haven't said yes yet. This would be a second marriage for both of us. Everything is great except for one issue. My potential husband has over $100,000 in debt. It's a mix of different things like a car loan, credit cards, school debt from a child in the previous marriage, etc., etc. Is it unwise to marry under these circumstances? And how do you advise clients in a similar situation? This is a new conundrum in our modern age um, because uh, you usually don't go into a relationship by saying, I'd like to see your financials. <laughs> but, these, <laughs> but these days, especially on a second marriage, I think you have to have some full disclosure. You have to make sure that they're, you're on the same page with regard to finances and spending habits and what is the debt. What's the plan to deal with the debt? You have a lot of young couples starting out that have debt that is, you know, would have sunk the rest of us back in the day because nobody came out of school with more than about $5,000 in debt back in the 70s. But now I think the average I've seen is 30000 for kids coming out of college and depending on what school you go to. So if you've signed for student loans, your parents probably co-signed, which means something happens to you or you default, the school system goes after you. So in this case, if he has student debt from a child of the previous marriage, you would want to know that. And then what's the plan for dealing with these different types of loans? Because credit cards have very high interest rates. It's amazing how many people 
do not understand what happens when you make a minimum payment on a credit card. That credit card balance just capitalizes over time. Yeah, and lasts forever. And lasts forever, exactly. So you're talking, you know, I, I had a young guy come in recently and he's made very good money and has been making that kind of money for quite a while. And yet he has no savings and he has like $45,000 in credit card debt. And I said, what's the interest rate on the credit cards? He didn't know. So he had to look up real quick. And it's, you know, 17% and 24%. I said, okay, here's the deal. Wow. <laughs> you, know, you need to pay this debt down because there's no way you're going to make that in the market every year. And that will drown you fast. So, you know, it's kind of let's map out a plan. Yes, you have to pay taxes. So you got to put some aside. You need your cash cushion for taxes and you need a cash cushion to start paying down this debt. He had no idea about how it would capitalize. And you know, there's a cap on credit cards generally, but hey, they'll give you another credit card. Right. Um, if you yeah, need one. That one's maxed so, out, but here's another one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, car loans, depending on the type of, you know, right now money is very cheap for car loans. But the question is, did you buy the um, the Scubaru, as we call it? Or the, did you buy somebody go out and buy, you know, a $40,000, $50,000 car? And then how much did you put down on it? And what's, you know, what are you paying every month on the car loan? So a lot of factors do go in here. And yeah, it's great that you're in love and you've been proposed to, but you need an honest conversation about what the financials are because you don't want to be picking up someone else's debt. Right. Necessarily. Even if you Especially don't commingle finances, it's still going to be a conversation and an issue. And it's going to be an issue within the marriage with that much debt, whether you commingle those finances or not, because it's going to be a burden, a great burden on one of you. And that's going to, you know, have a carryover impact to the other spouse, as it should. And I mean, that's what marriage is all about is, you know, sharing burdens and that kind of thing. Right. And you have to really, you have to be realistic about expectations. I mean, it's wonderful to be in love and have all these wonderful ideas and plans, et cetera, but they can be easily be derailed by resentment if you end up paying for this child's school, who's not your kid. I mean, it sounds great in theory that you're going to help do X, Y, or Z, but you need to have a very clear-eyed conversation about what you know your income is bringing to the table, what his income, is he paying alimony? Is he paying child support? Because there's a piece of his income going away. So who's picking up the tab or, or right. sharing in the tab of these right. different debts? So, you know, is it wise to marry, unwise to marry in these circumstances? It's not necessarily unwise, but you need to have a very realistic expectation or a very clear agenda of how these things are going to get paid down and then how you're going to deal with finances. I mean, Great. I have couples that, you know, they don't commingle, which I think is a little odd, but, you know, he pays for that, I pay for this. Okay, well, if you've agreed to that, fine. But that's kind of odd too, <laughs> you know? But that's just how some people are. Yeah, I need to do yeah, that with I, my wife. Okay, you can have the, uh, let's see, you can pay for the landscaping or something, and I'll pay for the air conditioning. So I get to control the air conditioning. <laughs> <laughs> You pay yeah, for Netflix, can... I'll pay for Amazon Prime. So I get, you know, depending on what show we're watching, I get to control the remote. 
<laughs> yeah. You know, I think one of the most, the biggest challenges today is for young folks getting married is like my son-in-law, when my he and my daughter got married in 2013, he didn't even know he had some school loans. His dad had taken them out. And then when they got, after they got married, he, his dad just handed him, oh, here, by the way, here, oh. you have these loans too. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> and, and so my daughter's going, I have my own student loans and now we have all of this. Oh, I mean, they started man. out quite a bit in debt. I was going to ask, how do you not know you have school loans? But there you go. There's an example. I mean, I think his dad took them. He must have signed papers at some point and didn't realize what they were. I, I don't know how that works, <laughs> but it can happen. I could see. But yeah, that was kind of a shock that, you know, here's an extra $20,000. You didn't know you had that. You know, it's, it's a problem for a lot of people. It is. And you really need to know upfront because otherwise there's going to be a lot of resentment and probably the most divisive issue in marriages that end up in divorce is finances. So you've got to be is. talking. Yep. Make sure you have a conversation. And in fact, multiple conversations would be in line here when you're talking about, you know, that much money in debt. Make sure that, you know, the love is for the right reasons. Um, mm -hmm. You know, there's so many different little considerations here, Michelle. So great question, but there's some concerns there that you need to make sure you get addressed before you make that commitment to marriage. My dad always shares a uh, funny story when he met my mom's mom for the first time. She pulled him out on the back porch, and we, we all laugh about this, uh, you know, when we hear this story today. Even when they're together, they laugh about it. And, uh, and I'm sure many people have had the same conversation, you know, in that age group. Pulled him out on the back porch. They were sitting down, and she says, all right, how are you going to support my daughter? And my dad looks at her with a straight face and says, we're going to live on love. And <laughs> she about fell out of her chair. <laughs> She had just, uh, she was not expecting that one, so. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. So. And, you know, it's a realistic, it's a realistic question. Yeah. Even more so today, so. Yep. So even if you're on a second marriage, and even if you're not, uh, you know, in the young stage anymore, second marriages and beyond, these kinds of conversations need to certainly happen. So, Michelle, thanks again for that question. If you'd like to submit a question, be featured on the show, or just want to ask Janine a question one-on-one -on -one about your financial plan or your financial situation, you can certainly do that. Make sure you're making the right choices with your money and planning for the future. And make sure you've got a solid future in place. You can make sure all those things happen by setting up a time to meet with Janine. If you'd like to get in touch, the number is 443-718-6311. That's 443-718-6311. And always online at TheusWealthAdvisors.com. That's TheusWealthAdvisors.com. Janine, thanks for all the help, and uh, we'll look forward to another great show next time around. Thanks so much, Walter. This right. is great. We appreciate it. And that's Janine. I'm Walter. We'll talk to you next time on Your Financial Mission. Your Financial Mission.